0: Welcome to Executives Unpacked, bringing you inspiration from the boardroom, a series of interviews with key and senior executives from throughout the content media, satellite and news space, connectivity and cybersecurity industries, brought to you by Nuco Global Executive Search. Welcome to Executives Unpacked. I'm Laurie Scott, co-founder... And director at Nuco's Global Executive Search. And I'm delighted to be joined by Catherine Monson. Catherine is the CRO of Edron, an aerospace provider is building a hybrid RF and optical relay network. This dynamic communication infrastructure is going to enable the growing space industry to provide low latency data to the commercial and government end users here on Earth. Prior to joining Hedron, Catherine served as the CEO of KSAT and was the head of ground stations at Spire Global. So she brings a wealth of experience to the aerospace industry. Outside of our space world, Catherine's happy place is hiking, spending time exploring the great outdoors. Catherine has a passion for learning new languages. Catherine, welcome to the show today. Pleasure to have you on board.
1: Thank you, Laurie. It's great to be here.
0: Excellent. Catherine, before we sort of get into it, I was going to ask, I mean, I've just mentioned about your passion for learning languages, and I believe you speak Mandarin. Do you speak any additional languages? Yeah, uh, and
1: I should be a little careful. I I used to speak fluent Mandarin. (laughs) It's a little tough in the space industry right now to keep up my Mandarin, so I'm mostly (laughs) dedicated to ordering delicious food and and chatting with my mother-in-law. Yeah, so I, when I was at KSAT, obviously KSAT is headquartered in Norway, so I have been picking up a little bit of Norwegian, which is going a little bit stale, since again, not too many opportunities at Hedron for me to use my Norwegian, and then I speak a little bit of Spanish,
0: but that's uh, from my high school days. Excellent, well you can, you can order a beer in all three languages, so I think that's, that's what counts.
1: Yeah, and the challenge, Laurie, is if I get tired, um, I'll often cherry pick words from all three languages and mix them all together. So that becomes a little bit of an adventure. Those are not normally languages that are, are blended together.
0: Love it. Fantastic. Well, um, well, Catherine. So before we sort of begin, um, for our listeners out there, this podcast is a, a new series for Nuco. so um, Executives Unpacked, it's all about giving our listeners some deep insight into some of the key leadership learnings from our um, C-level guests like yourself. So if you don't mind, are you sort of ready for us to, to crack on with the first six questions? Yeah, let's jump in. Fantastic. All right, excellent. So the first of six, what has been the, um, the biggest lesson that you've learned during your career?
1: Yeah, so not to sound a little bit, uh, you know, this is a, almost a meta answer, but I think the biggest lesson that I've learned that I think could be helpful to share with others is yeah. growth mindset. So just always having the approach of learning. Mm. Um, there is so much in this industry that requires creative thinking. So there are so many challenges. You know, Space is a, a hardware industry, mm. so we certainly have constraints of working with hardware. Um, It's a software industry, all of these kind of subsystems have to figure out how to talk to each other, we need to figure out how to make satellites then talk to the ground, we need to figure out how to work all of the pieces together, so that that data is moving seamlessly through the system, so you have the challenges and opportunities of both hardware systems and software systems and then we're also trying to operate in an environment that is pretty unforgiving. So uh, there are many, many, many places that you can make mistakes that have the potential to be <laughs> somewhat catastrophic. Yeah. Um, and then add add the price tags on everything, where you know we in this industry think in terms of millions of dollars or hundreds of thousands of dollars. Um, you know, some of these systems, gosh, are already looking at billions of dollars. Yeah. And when you add all of those things together. Um, I think for students in particular, it can have the impact of being a little intimidating. Yeah, um, Would really urge really everyone in the industry to keep the open mind of growth and learning. Um, there are also, I think, there are pros and cons of that growth mindset in, in so far as um, folks who have experience, you can absolutely leverage that experience. And so being willing to come to the table and solicit that experience from folks who have done something before, Mm -hmm. I think the challenge on that piece of it is things are also changing very quickly. So for those of us who have been in the industry now for several years to also have that growth mindset to say there are new folks coming to the table who have a different way of looking at it. And just because we failed trying to do something five years ago, there could be things that are different now in terms of the technology advancement or the operating environment that makes that idea that didn't work five years ago suddenly very viable today. So I'm giving a bit of a long-winded answer, but I really do think that the answer of what I've learned the most is, is keeping that open mind, um, yeah. having that learning mindset at all points of the day, at all points of the year, at all points of your career.
0: Love it. Brilliant. Yeah. I mean, it's so true. Like you said, five years ago, people have been making mistakes, but now technology sort of moved on um, and people can learn from it. So having that sort of open-mindedness and and sort of willing to share ideas goes such a long way. Yeah. Fantastic. So um, if there was one thing that you would have um, been told earlier um, in your career that maybe you could sort of look back on and wish that you'd been told and sort of learn from that, what would that be?
1: Yeah that is such a good question. I think one thing that if I look back into my early 20s that I now kind of look back and laugh of like oh my goodness you know don't stress calm down. Um, People's career paths and people's lives frankly are not linear. There there are very few people that I can think of that that truly have you know they set at the age of you know 22 coming out of undergrad that they wanted to do something and that they're living exactly that same life that they said when they were 22 and maybe this all ties back into like that learning growth mindset um it isn't a straight path so you know looking back i'm sure you know you could explain Lori how all of the choices you made led you to here but you can only do that looking backward you know you, yeah project you that going forward and so i think one of the things that um, I experience even in talking to uh, to some of our interns or to some of the folks who are just coming into the industry, there, I-, I wish I could say to folks, and, and <laughs> I can say it, but whether or not they hear it and grok it and bring it inside and integrate it, is don't stress, like you'll figure it out. You make the choice that you make in any given day. And as long yeah. as you keep moving toward problems that are interesting to you, like that's really the, the thread that you should be pulling on is, is find a problem that you care about, find a problem that matters to you, that it is solved
0: yeah because yeah. then
1: you're going to find yourself at the same table with other people who share your same common passions. Yeah. Um, and, and those are just fantastic tables to be at. You know, it, it's, there's so many interesting problems at aerospace that are being tackled by so many wonderful, interesting people. Yeah. It, not there isn't some master you know paper that you write that is your life where you say you know it goes from beginning to middle to end it's that in every day you make a choice to go to the table that is solving a problem you care about so maybe that's the advice that I would would want to give to my previous self is calm down like just just take each step day by day there isn't some master architecture that you have to sit down and decide.
0: yeah love it fantastic and I mean obviously you've had a lot of success already in your career um, and you've just given loads and loads of advice, advice there, but is there anything else that, that that sort of you've taken on from your your sort of peers and as you've sort of d- involved into management and into sort of the C-level roles, is there sort of one piece of advice that you've been given that's always gonna maybe stay with you that you would, you would always use?
1: Yeah, um, so this is actually, I mean, again, back to the growth mindset, something that I have been learning this last year Working with, We have a fantastic uh, management team at Heatron, so my, my business partners, my colleagues, Ferris Erkman, Rhonda Landers, we are a very tight team. Um, yeah. We really believe in thought partnership, um, and that's a phrase that we invoke a lot, which is to say that the, the three of our brains together generate so much more potential than any one of us alone. And one of the ideas that we've really been um, trying to, to actualize within our team is this idea of high-performance athletes. So, um, you know, one of the things that um, I I heard recently with the Tour de France is that you you have so many of these cyclists and they are incredible on the bike. But the piece that you may not see is that there is also a race for recovery. So everyone is good on the bike, but if you spend all day biking, you know, up these huge mountains, Um, as soon as you get to that town and you get off the bike, the race to recovery starts, which is to say the person who is fueling the best, who is sleeping the best, who's letting their body recover the best, they're going to go into the next day with more strength, more power. And I actually really think that that idea applies to us in our our lives more generally, but particularly in our careers, which is to say, um, you know, you have to figure out when you, when you have a career in aerospace, which is not, you know, a, a professional athlete maybe has a career of 10 years where they're performing at their highest. But if you're in aerospace, if you could have a career that is you know, 50 years long. So how do you understand how, how you create the environment to be successful and yeah. really a lot about the race to recovery. Um, and I think that's incredibly important coming out of the pandemic because our lines between work and life have been so blurred. I mean, you know, you're yeah. sitting in the UK, I'm sitting in Boulder, Colorado and we're having a, a conversation. And so the boundaries that we used to have that gave us more structure to, to have that the race is over we're now recovering, those have become quite blurred. So I think it does require folks to be much more intentional about thinking about, you know, how am I gonna sustain a high performance level over many, many years? Um, And really thinking about that as as an essential part of doing the role well. So that's something actually that we on our leadership team have been having conversations about and and thinking through how do we support each other in in that race to recovery so that every single day we're showing up with the highest performance possible.
0: Love it. Fantastic. That's um, I love the analogy and stuff as well. So really, really insightful. And I'm going to sort of uh, get an update if you're allowed to tell me about sort of in, uh, um in a minute, but I wanted to sort of continue talking about the industry. So, um, um, I mean, I, I believe previously you mentioned that there's a, a real opportunity when it comes to reshaping uh, the communications infrastructure or space. Um, Outside of Hedron and what what you guys are doing, I mean, what else is exciting you right now about the industry? Because there's a lot of innovation. There's a lot of, like you said, the hardware and software and the integration. There's so many different offerings right now. And you've you've worked for some real interesting companies. I mean, we spoke about Spire and and KSAT and where you are right now. But what excites you right now, the way that the the, industry is heading?
1: Yeah, Um, I think one of the things that is challenging about this industry is there is a lot that is technically possible, but we still have a gap um, in terms of taking something that's possible and making it sustainable. And I sometimes flippantly refer to this as the who pays for the party problem. So um, we need to figure out collectively as an industry, many of these companies are trying to cross that gap to say, yep, we can do it but have we built a market for people who care enough about this problem to spend real dollars to have this problem solved at a scale that is economically viable for that company over time? Mm. And so that's actually a piece that really I'm quite invigorated by, which is I think we're starting to turn that corner. Um, So much of the focus of the last 10 years has been around Um, you know, what is technically possible on smaller platforms. So um, what is technically possible with new launch companies. And now we're really at that inflection point, which is like, yep, we've done it. You know, like we can, there are many new launch companies that have brought new launch vehicles on, or many new small set companies that are doing, you know, (laughs) supporting data rates, if we measure it that way, would not have been conceived at at all possible 10 years ago. So it can be done. And now the question is, okay, did we build the market that allows us to do this day over day, year after year in a way that is um, Uh, self-supporting? the piece that I'm actually really invigorated by is that I think we're starting to turn that corner on that inflection point um, where this is no longer a science experiment, but really is real people solving real problems for other real people. Um, and it's it's less about what can happen and actually that that there are real problems that are being addressed.
0: Fantastic. Yeah really insightful I mean um if you look at the sort of sustainability sustainability of the the industry that there's been a lot of money I want to say wasted or, or- or not used in the right way for, for, for some of the newer companies that have an offering, but just don't have the maybe capacity to take it to the market and sort of the, the, the full sort of life cycle. But like you said, it, I think that's now changing. The mentality is changing and there's a, there's a lot of exciting stuff happening out there.
1: Exactly. And, and I think actually some of the consolidation that we're seeing um, represents the best, uh, you know, the coming together of strength. So um, it is, and I I can say this having been part of small companies and also big companies, um, when you have a really big cruise ship, um, you, you go to your ports of call that have been predetermined a year in advance, um, and you, you try to create a pleasant experience because you're a really big cruise ship and you're not making a decision every single day of like, should we go here or should we go there? When you're on mm. a small sailboat, you have much more flexibility. You know, there are fewer people on the boat. Um, there's a lot more dynamicism and you, you can get 10 people together and say like, actually, we're gonna go off and explore this way. And, and so I often sometimes think about companies like ships. Um, you know, when you're a small ship, you can innovate. You can try different things. You can respond yeah. to very dynamically. You know, yep. if I speak from just my personal lens, at case we had a 10 year planning horizon, um, <laughs> you know, at Hedron, we have a rough sense of our 10 year direction, um, but we would not have a, you know, a financial model for 10 years out because so many things could happen between now and 10 years from now that there's just so much possibility. And so I do think yeah. that some of the consolidation that we're seeing in the industry does represent that different entities are better at different pieces of the problem. So these yeah. new innovative companies are really pushing the envelope on what's possible. And they're able to take risks that larger companies, um, frankly, they have expectations that have been set you know, for many, yep. many years. And so the risk of trying something new is just a higher bar to cross. But when you're yeah. together, you take the innovation culture And you take the structure of being able to execute and execute at scale and execute replicably for many years over and you start to have something that's quite dynamic.
0: Great, fantastic. So sort of keeping with that um, excitement um, and with the innovation. So if we can, if you're allowed to, I know Hedron are sort of on stealth mode at the moment, but is there any sort of... um, can you update us? You've got a great leadership team in place, but any sort of um, future announcements to to sort of look out for or any sort of developments you can tell us?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So Laurie, you're spot on. (laughs) Um, Anyone who's gone to our website probably sees that um, we are um, in stealth mode and really our thinking there is that we are having very direct conversations with all of our customers. um, And we very much have this belief that you know, the proof is in the pudding. So um, rather than talk about what we're gonna do, we're we're gonna do what we're gonna do. And then we'll be really excited to be able to bring this service to folks um, when we come online with the Heatron Network. Um, The things that I can talk about, I, I mentioned I have fantastic business partners and colleagues Um, In Barris Erkman, in Rhonda Landers, um, Barris's background is in optical comm. Um, We have been quite public that we are building our own optical terminals in-house at Hedron. So as we look at the marketplace, we do see that there is an opportunity where there's an unmet market need. So when we look at we we want to be able to fly an optical terminal that allows us to close inner satellite links between our satellites and our in our backbone, um, but also between our satellites and our customers as an ingest modality, and we did not see that there were compelling options that were at the size, weight, and power and cost. That would be optimized for small satellite platforms. So, so much of the legacy of Optical Com has actually come from um, solving a different problem. So, you know, Optical Com, a lot of the work was uh, fantastically done by folks at DLR, so the German Space Agency. Yeah. Um, and really, the problem they were trying to solve was if we take these geo platforms, because geo, was the space industry until frankly quite recently
0: was yep
1: yeah (laughs) yeah, i mean that that was it There were ngso was very much kind of like um a science platform for a a few different nasa missions but was not a commercial space and i guess iridium's perhaps a notable exception Um, but if they their problem that they were trying to solve was looking at these big data rates from geo back down to a fixed point on earth and so obviously then if you're building an optical comm system for geo you have a different platform altogether. And so we have a bigger, heavier system that is capable of high data rates. We're looking at that problem from exactly the opposite heritage, which is to say we need a system that can be rapidly manufactured. So we need to be able to build it in a standardized way that we can roll out many, many, many units very, very quickly. Yeah. Because the life cycle build on a small satellite is, you know, many times it's a year. Yeah. So we can't get hardware to people then it was, again, a good idea on paper, but it doesn't solve yeah. a problem. And so we're really looking at coming at it from the build, build to scale, um, build with a lot of components um, that are swap efficient for small satellites. And then the trade that we make there is that we're not trying to have a terabit per second link. Uh, we're not trying to do 100 gigabit per second link. We're really scaled down in terms of swap with the data rate that is still competitive for the amount yeah. of data trying to move, but it's a different problem um, than just creating a giant kind of stream of data down from geo. So we're very excited about the optical comms technology that we're building. Um, you know that, That's something that has been talked about for many years in the industry. I think we're at the inflection point right now, again, where that's kind of leaving the realm of paper and coming into being a real offering. Um, so kind of in that zero to five year time horizon is when we see that there's gonna be a lot of adoption of the optical comm platform
0: very exciting looking out for it and um, i'm sure it's going to be a success well um well thank you for that Catherine. so really insightful um now sort of moving it back again maybe to to your experience um and yeah i mean this is a question really i mean what 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 type of things sort of keep you constantly awake awake at night or or yeah keep keep you up
1: yeah um that's such a good question (laughs) um (laughs) i think kind of going back to that growth mindset of There are so many things that can go wrong in an aerospace company. And that's not unique to really any one player, but just going back to you have hardware elements, you have software elements. Um, Gosh, you know this incredibly well, Laurie, we are existing right now in a moment in time of immense growth in the industry. Yeah. huge talent shortage because folks are really trying to, you know, everyone's growing all at the same time. And many folks are looking for the same group of people, which are people who have a lot of experience, um, who have, you know, have done this before. Um, And so I think we collectively have a challenge in the industry of how do we bring the next generation um, more quickly up to speed? Um, So how how do we start to say, you know, Whereas before we may have said in a job description, we need 10 years of aerospace experience and we want yeah. subsystem experiences. And you need to have run this type of program that was, you know, at this dollar mark or, or larger. Now we might say, okay, you no, know, these are really the, the key skills that I need. You know, I need someone who has growth mindset, who communicates very well, who engages in thought partnership, um, who's detail oriented, and starting to think much more specifically about what is the type of person. An um, attitude and approach that will be successful in this role, and taking on more of that responsibility as a company to say, and how do I get you um, access to that experience? Like, you don't have to have it in your brain if I can get you access to people who have it in their brain, who you can leverage that thought partnership with. So yeah. I do think that talent is obviously a piece that, um, uh, you know, if I speak to other um, executives in the industry, talent is always a question. Where are you finding it? Are you struggling? Um, you know, how are how are you building support structures for people? So I think um, that's that's a wonderful problem to have. That there's so much growth in the industry that we're really, you know, try to figure out as a human level how do we level up the industry to make sure that that growth is sustainable. So I think that's one of the things that, um, you know, <laughs> I'm giving you a bit of a birdwalk answer, but as I kind of circle <laughs> in on it, I think talent is definitely a piece that everyone is struggling with right now, and and certainly is your area of expertise.
0: Yeah, if I got a dollar for every CEO that I've spoken to that has said that, um, I'd be a very rich man. But I mean, um, no, all joking aside, the talent is definitely there. Um, I mean, if you look at the innovation and you look at the, um, I think companies like SpaceX and Elon Musk and having them sort of (laughs) now involved in the industry it gets everybody sort of excited and i I know you you mentioned about the attitude for us it's not about having a 10-15 years experience if you've got the attitude and you're willing to learn and bring new ideas and i think there's definitely a transition particularly when it comes from the the software environment um, there's a massive crossover so it's just trying to to attract the talent to come into this wonderful industry
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, my, I am not an aerospace engineer by training, by education. So I, you know, I'm as much of an example of this as anyone, which is that there are lots of dynamic problems in this industry that need to be solved. And my education is in defense policy and on paper, one might say, wow, there's not a lot. <laughs> How did you end up here? Um, but actually what i found is all of the reasons that I thought I wanted to go in defense, um, are very much true in the aerospace industry. I mean very mission-centric people um, trying to solve these big, you know, gnarly problems, um, big geopolitical significance, the problems that we're trying to solve, like they're a global scale. Um, I very regularly, I mean, gosh, our conversation is an example of this. I'm very regularly working across borders. It's a very international context. You know, all of the things that I thought I wanted out of defense, I actually am finding in the aerospace industry. So I can only imagine that there are are many others like me who have a different education background and are just waiting to find their home in aerospace.
0: Well, it's great to hear your journey. And I think for for our listeners now, there to hear that story rather than you have to have the engineering degree. Um, you're bringing in new ways of thinking, new ideas which is which is fantastic. so I could talk about that all day. Um, okay, excellent. So I mean catherine I mean a lot of executives that we speak to can sort of pinpoint a variety of reasons of why they've had success um, but I'm curious I mean is there any incident or can you identify a sort of a single thread that's run through your career that's led to the success?
1: Oh, that's a big question. Let me think on that a bit. Um, Okay, a risk of sounding like I'm going on a soapbox here, Um, one of the (laughs) questions that I have gotten fairly regularly, um, so I I really try to make it a priority to be involved with uh, some of the fellowship programs that are in the aerospace industry, and it really is, I think, uh, important to me that we are training the next generation of folks to come into the industry and stay in yeah. the industry. Yeah. Um, so uh, particularly folks who have you know, non-traditional backgrounds, they don't have an aerospace engineering degree, um, really trying to create a diversity of a talent pool in the aerospace industry. Those are things that matter to me. Um, so having conversations with students. And one of the conversations that often comes up or a question that I'm often asked is how did you get your seat at the table? Um, and I, I think the framing of that question honestly always breaks my heart a little bit because there isn't some uh, you know, master guru in the industry who says, this is the table and there's yeah. chairs and these are the people who are most qualified to have the chairs. So again, I, I, I really always try to push back on that framing to say, nobody's gonna give you a seat at the table. There's, there's no metaphorical table. Um, there are lots of problems that different groups of people are trying to solve. You know, Some are working together in a company, some are multiple companies who are working together, some are multiple companies that are competing with each other that are trying to take different approaches to solving the same problem. And it's really about figuring out which problem space you wanna be in. And so if you reshape your thinking of the table is just a group of people who care about a problem. And yeah. keep going to the table that you want to be at. Um, it's not do those people want to have you there? Frankly, they don't probably notice or pay attention to who else is at the table. <laughs> people are far less judgmental than I think. Sometimes you know people can internalize that we fear that they are. But it's like no, if you know you, Lori, are really passionate about you know the creating diversity in the space talent workforce, like you and I are going to have a great conversation about it. Um, you know, if if we are both really excited about space traffic management great, we're both gonna have a good conversation about it. We're gonna generate ideas. We're gonna kind of support each other as we keep working through those ideas. Um, I cannot tell you how many people I have met over my career in the aerospace industry that I still come back to, you know, and we might kind of solve different sub problems for several years, but we'll come back and have a conversation and realize like, oh, the work that you're doing in space traffic management is directly related to the work that I'm doing in terms of creating dynamic communications infrastructure because in order to do space traffic management well, We need to have satellites that can communicate with each other rather than always having to come back, wait till a ground point to share information. And now we've introduced an hour lag into the system. So these are the types of kind of the way that I really pushed back on that problem, which is to say, nobody's gonna invite you to the table. You have to decide which table you want to be at. In some ways that's even harder, which you know it requires you to do a little bit of self-reflection and say, what do I I care about? How do I wanna spend my time? But I think that's the tip of the spear, because if you figure out what you care about, you always do your best work in a domain that you care about.
0: Yeah. Yep. And that's what I love about this industry, because so many people care about this industry and I've got so many ideas and it's just trying to bounce those ideas and um, sort of regurgitate that to, the, to people who want to come into the industry, because there's so much passion out there and so many ideas but sometimes people are too afraid to sort of say anything by uh, making themselves look silly which is completely not the way that it is
1: oh my gosh absolutely if I could just underline what you said I mean I think the the beauty of the space industry is that nobody is an expert in everything there are far too many subsystems too many programs too many different platforms for everyone to have for anyone to have a sense of all of it which creates this really open environment where you know I can come to the table and say, here's my experience with RF uh, communication systems. And I am very much in a learning brain when it comes to optical systems. I am just learning that now. And no one expects me to be an expert in optical <laughs> yeah. systems, yeah. which is why Barris is a fantastic partner to have is because he is an expert in optical systems. And so having that teaming um, approach, means that nobody needs to feel like they have to have all the answers it's you know we each bring our data to the table and we're in thought partnership so I I just I I wish I could really um, have that be a take-home for all the students that I talk to of again nobody's inviting you to the table there's no moment in which you're qualified to have a conversation you just you go to the table you listen to how people are engaging you offer the data that you have you learn from the folks at the table and you keep pushing that problem space forward
0: Brilliant. Something I can talk about all day and I'm sure we'll do something, a separate session at some point to um, bounce some ideas around that. Okay, well, um, thanks so much. So, um, Catherine, we've got one final question, but this is the the part of the podcast that's more sort of the fun side um, and allows people to sort of get to know you outside of the day job. So I hope you don't mind. Um, I do have one final question. But before we dive into that, I've now got a quick fire round um, and I'm only going to throw... Six questions, um, quick fires, one answers, just keen to, uh, yeah, keen for people to sort of get to know you outside of the industry. So um, here we go. If you could live anywhere, where would that be?
1: Oh, I love living where I live. Um, so I live in Boulder County, Colorado. It's absolutely beautiful. If you have not visited, please come, let me know. I'll take you to the Flatirons. Um, where I live is where I want to live.
0: Brilliant, fantastic, love that. Um, If you could eat one meal for the rest of your life, what would that be?
1: My husband and I are very guilty of having a very, our go-to meal, which is we make baked chicken thighs, white rice and garden peas. And I could probably eat that three times a week and not be (laughs) unhappy.
0: (laughs) And make it in your sleep. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) Brilliant. can you tell us something that not many people know about you?
1: That is a really good question. I feel like I should have a go-to answer on this. Um, I'm not so quick on the quickfire here. Um, <laughs> I studied an opera, so I trained in opera when I was an undergraduate, and I feel very much uh, like an artist. Um, that might seem counterintuitive because most people don't think that art and aerospace are things that go together, but again, not to sound like a broken record, there's so much creativity that's required to be successful in this industry. And I I think really so much of what, uh, you know, my view of myself as an artist is very much also true of my view of myself as an aerospace executive. So um, music is very important to me. I continue to have a rich musical life. So that's probably something that I don't talk too much about in the aerospace industry.
0: There we go. Wasted. We need to uh, need to get you to do a duet or, or do a uh, a concert. So that actually uh, ties in nicely to the, the, this next one. Now this might be slightly different given uh, uh, your sort of musical background, but if you've got a uh, a go to karaoke song um, and it can be opera, so what would that be?
1: Um So I have to say, Laurie, not to disappoint you, it's definitely not opera at karaoke. Um, it's anything by ABBA. It just I just it's always a crowd pleaser. It's high energy. <laughs> Um, that you cannot go wrong with any single episode
0: yeah, you, you definitely can't always good at a wedding last night last song of the night everyone sort of gets everyone going so um good 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 question good answer okay um last question on this one and then i'm going to go to our final sort of um, executive question um who would be your dream dinner party guest and why oh gosh that's
1: such a good question. It- I think I'm going to give a bit of an unsatisfactory answer. Um, I think that I have realized during the pandemic how important my kind of friends and family and community are. And so, you know, I'm sure many people answer this question with a historical figure or, you know, a celebrity. I have just found that I am so appreciative to have dinner with my husband, with my family, with our neighbors, with our friends, and just to get to be with our community in person again. Yeah. Um, been so enriching and so i I think i just have a newfound appreciation for the the people in my life and getting to spend time with them and you know get to have dinner parties again
0: that's a great answer i remember during the first lockdown we would have um fancy dressed events with our friends on a zoom meeting and all sort of go and do some quizzes and questions that we're going to ask, and have a couple of drinks and some music and stuff. But it was, it was, it was fantastic. So when you could sort of do it in person, it sort of you take it for granted. So really good answer. So Catherine, I'm now coming to um, the last question, um, and I hope you don't mind. I'm sort of going to go back to what we've sort of discussed. Um, if there was one bit of advice that you could always give to to somebody that wants to come into the industry, and you've given a lot already, but is there is there anything else that you'd like to add?
1: Yeah, let's see. How to sum it up in a, an easy package here. <laughs> I, I think maybe I'll, at risk of repeating myself, go back to take the time to figure out the problem that you care about. And that's not the problem that, you know, you're best friend in Arrow 101 cares about, or that you know, your, um, you know your colleague cares about. We each have our own way of approaching problems. And I think it, it is intimidating sometimes to sit down and think, well, what, what do I care about? That's a like kind of a big question to ask yourself. But I think um, if you take the pressure off of, you don't have to care about something for 50 years, and you don't have to decide once. It's in this day, in this week, in this year, what's the problem that I'm trying to solve? Um, I think that type of kind of self-awareness and check-in is the best kind of fuel that there is. Um, And to really be honest with the answer that you get. So, um, you know, I mentioned that my background is originally in defense policy. So I'll share um, a small anecdote, which is to say that I did all of my education around having one particular job. I really wanted to work OSD policy. And I was quite lucky to get to do a fellowship in OSD, what was ATL, Acquisitions Technology and Logistics. So, you know, I was right there in, in my dream job. I got there, um, you know, had this fantastic fellowship opportunity, and about a month in, realized I hate this which was terrifying because I had spent so many years trying to get to this moment that I thought I really wanted to do. Yeah. And, and I should be a little careful because I don't, I don't mean to sound flippant. There's amazing work that's done in the Pentagon. For me personally, what i found is that there's so much, um, so much stakeholder management, if we call it that, um, yeah. that it is really, really tough. You know, you're, you're moving uh, any amount of change, you're trying to move in a year's time frame, And there are so many different voices that need to come to the table. And I found that my my personal cadence, I was much happier in a faster moving cadence. So you know, I left the Pentagon. I came back into the private sector. There were a couple bends in the road that allowed me to get into the aerospace world. Um, but I really think having um, let me call it courage, having the courage to yeah. ask yourself that question, and like look at that answer in the mirror, and then move toward it because there are so many people I know that I think exemplify this, um, this courage really well, because you know, you can, you, five years from now, I could look in the mirror and say, you know, Laurie, I'm gonna go back to opera. Um, and <laughs> to do that um, could be a choice. And so <laughs> I, I think really um, just being, being willing to move toward where you care about a problem space or where you yeah. think you can help bring, um, bring a solution to the world, I, I think is honestly, again, back, back to it's the best fuel um you have to live your life no one else is going to live it for for you and yeah to be able to take the time to figure out what what where do I want to spend my time what problems do I want to solve I think is the best advice that I could give
0: fantastic and and um yeah I mean you only get one chance don't you so if you're not you're not happy or you want you have the flexibility to move make it happen um and it's just fascinating to hear your your story so um oh, I'm afraid that's it Catherine I mean it's been one Wonderful to have you today. I mean, really insightful, and I could—I've got loads of questions, but we'll—we'll uh, we'll have to set up a, another conversation down the line. But I just want to say, it's been an absolute pleasure. Really, really enjoyable and insightful, and I really appreciate you taking the time to um, to, to pass on your your valuable um, advice.
1: Well, Laurie, thank you so much for having me. It's always so nice to start my day with a great conversation. So, thank you so much for this treat this morning.
0: My pleasure, and um, I'll be over in Colorado next year, so hopefully, we'll uh, get to see each other in person on one of the, the trace those circuits that we'll be on.
1: That sounds great.
0: Thank you for listening to the show. If you enjoyed it, please do subscribe and give us a rating. It really helps these stories to be found and enjoyed by more. For more information about Nuco Global Executive Search, we can be found at executive.nuco group.com. That's executive. Dot N-E-U C O hyphen group.